In consideration of those in Europe, I'm going to go over to Eric and Carolyn, who both have one question. And please go ahead. Thank you, Donna. Uh, hello, Tom. Hello, Eric. So, so my question is about uh, your opinion on spiritual teachings that advise people to follow their highest excitement or joy. So there are a number of spiritual teachings, as far as I'm aware, mostly from channeled entities such as Abraham Hicks or Bashar, that advise people to use their sense of excitement or joy as a guiding principle for making decisions in life. The idea behind those teachings is that excitement is our body's physical translation of a communication from our higher mind. And many of us are trained to ignore those signals, and instead we sort of buckle down and focus on what we think needs to be done. If we always act on the thing that contains the most excitement in every given moment to the best of our ability, with zero expectation as to what the outcome ought to be, we will be walking the optimal path, no matter how it looks. And if we just keep doing that, we will find that that excitement will become the driving engine and the organizing principle of our life, and that it will attract to us every single situation we need to continue to act on more and more opportunities that bring more excitement. So I would like to know your opinion on this advice from an uh, MBT point of view. Would you agree with this? Um, no, not completely. I agree with some aspects of it, but I think it's, as you stated, it's kind of a one-size-fits-all and when you have a one-size-fits-all kind of concept that usually doesn't really fit anybody, you know, too well, I think that you can, you know, basically what this, this go with your, your, go with your joy, you know, go with, go with what excites you. That is kind of a way to get people to look at their intuitive side, go with your intuition. What is your intuition telling you? So, when you tell people to, you know, who, when you ask people to go to their intuition and they haven't really developed their intuition, it's hard for them to do that. They don't really know what their intuition is and they don't know how to access it. So in instead, you tell them to go find their joy, go find their happiness, go find their excitement, figuring that they're going to go get in touch with their intuition, you know, their feeling about this sort of thing at a deep level. Well, that may happen sometimes, and if it does, then if your intuition is nudging you toward some positive thing, you should at least investigate that or, uh, you know, you say follow it, kind of lead into where your intuition's taking you. In general, I agree with that. Intuition's a smart thing. It knows a lot more than your intellect does about uh, what to do next. On the other hand, this person who you hope is going to go into their intuition to grab something that is very useful, could just as easily go into their ego and grab something that makes them feel good because it makes their ego feel good and it just gives them joy because their ego, you know, likes that. And they could grab hold of some ego and then start following their ego down a trail which would lead them to a place that wasn't good. So it's not that the idea can't work. It's that it's just a very general idea with the hopes that the person will grab something valuable out of their intuition when indeed I think the higher probability is that they will grab something out of their ego. 
So it kind of depends who you're talking to. So if you're talking to a bunch of people who have all been meditating for a decade or more and they're all pretty highly developed, then that kind of advice is probably sounder advice. If you're talking to the average person out there who's just kind of in the middle of, of trying to figure out how to grow up, then I think the advice is probably not such good advice because there's a higher probability they're going to they're gonna come up with, with ego rather than something useful out of their intuition. So that's kind of the way I look at it. I'd say it's a little risky just saying that in general to people, to a bunch of people who are kind of in the advanced class, uh, that's probably not such bad advice. But people already in the advanced class ought to know about their intuition. They ought to have that intuitive sense developed at the point that they can be with that. It doesn't have to be reduced to a feeling. You know, my intuition, you know, I can't get to my intuition, but I can feel it. And this feels right. Well, okay, that's good. If things feel right and it really is your intuition is giving you that feeling, then it probably is right. So in that sense, it's good. It's good advice, but a little dangerous, I think, for, for the average person who could just easily, you know, most people are very fearful and avoiding their fear makes them feel good. So what makes them feel good is, well, I don't ever want to go there. I don't ever want to do that. I don't want to ever talk to those people. That's what makes me feel good. Well, that maybe is just their fear and their ego. And that isn't really what they need to do. Oh, they could do that. You know, we call that avoiding problems, but it won't necessarily lead them to, you know, lead them to, to growth. It maybe will lead them to a, a life that has less challenge in it, but it won't necessarily be growth. They'll just be avoiding following their joy will be following their ego or following their fear so that they ignore or turn away from or refuse to look at all the stuff they really need to look at. You see? So that would be my, my issue with it. Good advice to some people, not so good advice to other people, not something you should just tell a whole bunch of people that, that are from beginners to, you know, to, to uh, advanced. That's what I meant by one size fits all. You know, if you've got one thing and you're telling it to everybody, it, uh, it, it could help a few people, could, could hurt more. Most people are very close to their egos and very close to their fear and very distant from their intuition. And when they reach up to grab for that thing that makes them feel good, it's likely not to be coming out of their intuition. And the thing is that might make you want to say that is that if you yourself are well-developed, then you find that that is good for you. You see, so you're a developed person and you have a bigger picture, and when you want to kind of judge which way is the better path to go on, well, you just feel it. Oh, this one feels right. This one feels good. And you follow your joy. You follow your, you know, what, what, where your excitement is and what, what interests you. And you're good at that, and it works for you. So now you think everybody should do that. <laughs> you're, you're, you're missing the point that everybody isn't where you are. Everybody is in their own space, and you have to be aware of the space that people are in, even though it seems like the most rational thing to do, and it's very successful for you, doesn't mean it's going to work for others.
And yeah. it's not help. Yeah, it's not helpful to tell somebody else. And they say, "Well, I did it, and it got me into trouble." And then you say, "Well, of course, you really didn't do it. You didn't connect with your intuition. You connected with your ego. You didn't do it right. So that's why you ran into trouble." But see, that's not a helpful way to teach. I don't think. I think you be have to be a little more aware of individuals. So that's my that's this my one kind of you know the, the downside of it. I would get it's got a it's got a good upside too, but it's it's got that downside that one should be wary of. All right, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, and I'm I'm glad you clarified that. Um, did you want to ask a question? Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, okay, Tom. Uh, so I I need some advice on a situation that I um, went through lately with a friend that um, has betrayed me um, and was. Um, yeah, and I, I can't understand how I, how I got into that situation because I made some fearful decisions, and oh, but I trusted him with some money investment. And um, when, he, when I figured out that he betrayed me, like I wasn't even so surprised because my intuition already, um, already knew, kind of. But then I was... Um, Dealing, trying to deal with the situation in the, in the right way, but I didn't know what the right way really was because it was just, um, yeah, confusing because he was telling me like a lot of lies about it and making up a lot of stories and um, it all didn't make sense. So in a way I thought he's just trying to do that because I'm so right-brained and I'm... Uh, kind of naive anyway so he can do that with me so in a way i wanted to tell him that um i'm able to see that it's not logical what he tells me and that i know for that i know that he's betraying me and on the other hand like i didn't want to get in a fight in a conflict because i also know how my own fearful decisions has gotten me to that point so yeah just wanted to have some advice on how you would deal with a situation like that. The way you should approach that, Caroline, is first look for your lessons. Okay, look for your lessons. You said some some poor choices, you know, on your part, uh, you know, led in that direction. Think about those. You know, don't, it's one thing to say, all right, I see I made some bad choices. But think about those and think about why did I make that bad choice? What was it in my mind? What was it in my feelings or sense of reality, whatever it was, that you know that led me to make those bad choices? Why did I make those? That's an important question to ask. Um, then think of other situations where you've made similar poor choices and see if it's the same reasons. You see, I'm doing a little analysis around the around the, the the lessons that you have. Don't just kind of say, yep, there's a lesson, there's a lesson, all right, now let's go on. Really think about those lessons. Think about why you why you made those choices. And have you made similar choices in other situations, you know, based on the same sort of problem? And how would that change the way you make choices in the future? And you need to kind of imagine some of those choices or things that would happen in the future, or even go back to those same events. If they happen now, what would you think and how would you do it? So you can spend some time working on the lessons. Whenever things go wrong and you kind of end up in a negative space, there's lessons. 
And if we just nod at the lesson and say, "Uh uh-huh, and go on, we don't learn so much. But if we really think about it and we analyze it and we pull it apart and we find out why, what led us to do that? And is that leading us to do other things similar to that? And what should I have said? What should I have felt at that time I made the other choice? What was, you know, what would I think about now? How would I do that now? And where might that lead differently? And spend a week or two following that chain, those chains of events. That will help you grow much more quickly than just jumping back in and having another experience. You know, think about it. Now, the other thing that you should do is once you come to that idea that you kind of understand your lesson, you've learned what you can learn from it. Now you think about the other person. Is there something there that if you told them, it would help them learn from it? Or would it just, you know, turn on more ego, you know, more flim flam, more this, more that? Would it really help them? And if the answer is no, that it probably wouldn't, you know, it's, they're not in a mode for being helped. They're not in, they're not open to seeing things differently. Then there's no need to say anything. There's no need to make sure that they know that you know that they've messed up, you know, that's your ego. You know, your ego wants to say, uh, I caught you and I know what's going on. And, uh, I'm, you know, I understand these things better than you think. And, you know, you want to do that, but that's just your ego and your ego wants to kind of, you know, in, in the, in the best of cases, your ego just, uh, wants to, uh, kind of crow a little bit about, you know, it figured it out and it's not going to be duped and so on. So that's a, a divide. And in the worst case, it wants to get even, <laughs> you know, it wants, it wants to get back. I don't think you're in that space yet where you want to get even, but you need to just let it go. That's just ego. So if you can say something that's going to be helpful, something that will cause him to think, you know, just be better matter of fact about it. Well, you know, it is what it is. You know, I'm not going to, recoup any of my losses, you know, I'm not going to do this or that. It is what it is. And you can very clearly tell him what you think and let it go. Don't get in an argument. Don't get pulled in. Don't defend it. Just say, well, that's the way I feel about it. Bye. You know, I won't make this, I won't make this mistake again. You know, that sort of thing, but do it all pleasantly, not some kind of, uh, I've got you or I caught you or anything. Make it, Make it uh, positive, and then let it go. It's over. You know, education is often expensive. We don't we don't learn lessons, you know, for free. When you learn a lesson, it's because you've paid dearly for it, probably. And the bigger the lesson, the higher the cost. So that's you know you you also have have to say that's just. That's just my price for the education. But make sure you get all the education you can out of it. Don't just say, yeah, okay, I made some bad choices. I'll try to do better and then forget about it. You need to really analyze why you made those choices. Learn everything you can from it. And once you've done that, actually, there'll be a little part of you that'll be thankful that that happened 
because it caused you to learn some things that were really important. You see? So that's why I say you start off with learning all those lessons. Gather all those lessons up, because by the time you gather them all up, assess the why of it and the how of it, and then see how that's going to play in the future when things happen in the future and stuff comes up and the stuff that's coming up now in the present. You know, how does this change me? How does this this experience leave me wiser, more positive, more grown up? You see, so you, you learn that lesson, and then you kind of think about the experience after you've, you're done with all of that learning, and you say, wow, you know, I'm kind of glad that happened. I really found some, some important, you know, lessons here. And I learned them, and it's changed me. It's changed my life, you know. So then you don't feel so negative anymore. You feel like, well, okay, that's the price of growing up. You know, we don't learn if we don't make mistakes for the most part. Hardly anybody just picks up a book and then becomes wise because they, they read a book, you know, by a wise person. You know, that doesn't happen that way. You have to pay the price. And uh, education is often expensive. That's it. So kind of accept it. Let it go. Learn your lesson and go on and be positive with the rest of your life. Continue to have fun. You know, don't let it be a don't let it be something that, that you drag around with you, which is another good reason for learning all your lessons. Because if you drag around and say, man, I screwed that up. I hope I don't screw up other things like that. Am I screwing up things like that all the time? You know, what's the matter with me? Why do I always screw these things up? If you drag that kind of stuff around, it's just going to be negative and it becomes a load to carry. And you don't want any of that. Just squeeze every drop of learning out of it and then let it go. It's gone. And you feel good that you learned something and that you're different now. So that's the way I think to approach those kinds of things. Accept it. Learn from it. Go on. You don't have to, you don't have to teach him anything. You don't have to point out to him, you know, the error of his ways or how, you know, that you caught him or that you're smarter than he thinks or any of that sort of stuff. Just, it was the cost of your lesson. Thank you very much. The end. Yeah. So that's what I would, yeah. That's the way I would uh, approach it. Does that help you any? Caroline? Yeah. That helps a lot. Yes. Thank you very much. I think I can, I think that's basically part of every challenge, right? Like you have to learn out of every challenge and. That's yes. really all that I can apply basically on every challenge. Yeah, particularly the ones that bite, you know, the ones that hurt a bit, the ones where, you know, you, uh, you feel like you've been taken advantage of, you know, or somebody has, has you know, you've, you've done something like that. Those are the ones that have the most learning in them. The ones that are kind of trivial that hardly even catch your notice. Well, there's not a whole lot of learning in there. It's, it's the ones that uh, really give you a, you know, a smack that uh, that you learn a lot from. But then when you learn from them, the smack's worth it. Yeah, it's really worth it. That's that's the whole point is growing up. And if you grow up from some from everything like that that happens, then you will be wise very soon. Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's interesting because it also made me think of 
um, incidents where I have taken ad taken advantage of somebody else and like the, then I felt bad for it because wow, it feels really, it does feel really hurtful. And then, um, mm -hmm. yeah, so there's definitely a lot of lessons in there. So. Yeah. Right. I say take weeks or months, take as long as it takes until you feel like you squeezed every possible lesson out of it. And it, it you know, it could take a fairly long time before you get them all, but yeah, it, it, explore all of it. And explore it in detail, your motives, what you did, why you did it, why you said what you said, why you react the way you react, why you, you felt the way you felt, just the whole thing. Yeah, everything about it, yeah, the way you've done the same similar things to other people. You, know, you just go through the whole thing until you realize, until it changes you. You'll feel the difference. When you feel changed, you will know that you're different now. You know, and you want to continue to get as different as you can. And when you're not different yet, it's just baggage you're carrying around. Okay, it's just stuff. These are my experiences. And you carry them around with you. But once you've learned from them, it's much easier to let them go. They, they, they kind of nag you until you learn from them. Okay, seems like I have a lot of work to do. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> Thank you very much, Tom. That was very helpful. All right. Um, this one question at a time is working really well. Um, it looks like we may come back around again to let you ask your second question. Uh, right now, we'll go to Gary, who's in the UK. Go ahead with your question, Gary. Hi, everybody. Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. you're just fine, Gary. Hi, Tom, and uh, apologies for the uh, the lockdown hair. <laughs> <laughs> My address is at the moment here in the UK. Um, okay, first question. <clears throat> um, uh, Tom, you've uh, answered aspects of this question many times before, so I'm sorry about that. So I hope my variation on it introduces a new angle for some people listening. Uh, you say that probability can be moved only within the range of possibilities inherent in the limitations of the rule set. So in a particular scenario, my focused intent might move the probability needle towards my desired aim, but it still won't happen if within the parameters of the rule set it is impossible. I might move the probability of an outcome by orders of magnitude even with my intent, but if it lies outside the limitations of the rule set, it still won't actually happen. At the same time, you say that in a digital reality, anything is possible, but just not probable. But it appears there are exceptions to that rule, and you sometimes refer to crop circles as one such example. The rule set, as we understand it, says that crop circles should not be possible. Nobody knows how they occur, and logically, they make no sense. And yet there they are. You explain this by saying that sometimes the LCS will do something just to make us realize that reality is much bigger than we think it is. You've also said about MBT that so far, although you are always looking for them, there are no questions which have arisen and there are no paradoxes in physics that cannot be answered with your theory, which appears to make your answer to the question about crop circles akin to those who conclude about such things that God does it. Is this not an example of a paradox that is not answered by MBT, but only by your own speculation? 
Yes, I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. um, right. Next question. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good. That is a good point. That is when I say that uh, crop circles, you know, and I generally say it this way: are likely. You know, I usually word like likely. You know, the larger consciousness system just giving us a little wake-up call, a little nudge to see the world. Uh, you know, to kick us out of our rut of the way we understand that, that things work, because here's something that we just don't understand how it works. So it kind of makes us think a little bit about the nature of reality and, and what the possibilities are. But that is, you know, all the things I say. That, that's Tom Campbell's opinion about the way things work. It's not a, that's not a fact. So one should be aware of that. Yeah, that's that's a, uh, you know, conjecture can come in all sorts. You know, we talk at one end, we have wild conjecture, which is something you don't have much evidence for at all. You just kind of make up. That's called wild conjecture. But then you have conjecture that's based on a lot of information. You know, there's something that makes sense. It kind of fits a pattern, fits a theory, has a reason behind it. And then that's still, but it's still conjecture. It's just more reasoned conjecture. And science mostly tends to work that way. You know, we don't talk about laws anymore. We talk about theory. So there's the, you know, quantum theory and there's relativity theory. We don't talk about the law of quantum physics and the laws of relativity. We used to do that back in Newton's times. We had Newton's laws and we found out they weren't laws at all. They just, uh, you know, applied and just, under certain conditions and other conditions, they don't they don't apply. So all of it you might think of as kind of conjecture. Some of it more reason than others. So uh, that's just you know that's the way science works. That's generally the you know the way I work, and I think it's it's uh, hopefully everybody out there understands that that the things I'm talking about like larger consciousness system and free will awareness unit and individual unit of consciousness. And all of these things are metaphors. Don't take them as facts. They're metaphors. They stand for a particular function that consciousness must have in order for it to, you know, show us the things it shows us. Let's just do the things we do. So it's a model of reality is why I keep telling people don't confuse the model of reality with reality. You know, models are different. It's the, it's a, a theory of relativity. You know, don't confuse the theory of relativity with, you know, the nature of reality. These are different things. So in that sense, the, the only reasonable in my mind, and according to MBT, the, the only reasonable uh, explanation for things like crop circles occurring is that this is a digital simulation. It's easy to do in a digital simulation. It's not really a hard thing. And it's a good wake up call. It's a good eye opener, you know, crack a crack in that, in that, uh, in that door of closed mindedness. So that's my guess. You know, it's my opinion of the best explanation I can come up with. Now, other people come up with other explanations, like aliens do it. 
Well, aliens do it still has some problems. How do aliens do that? How do they bend all those little you know stalks of grass in just the right place? How is that, uh, you know, what do they do that? Have a, have a grass stalk bender that they put down like a big, uh, you know, some kind of big thing comes out of their spaceship. You know, how do, they, how do they make that happen? How do they do it? So now you need a physical means, you see, to cause it. Because aliens do it. Aliens are physical, and you need some physical process that lays that out. And how do they, you know, make that happen overnight in the dark? You know, how, you know, without any noise, you're still left with some hard things to explain. And, of course, doing uh, the Fermi paradox, you know, I come to uh, an idea that it's, there's at least some decent probability that there aren't any aliens. That these aliens are more things of consciousness than they are things of, of you know, that that they're really pieces of of uh, this virtual reality, that they're actually more things of consciousness. So it's just an alternative explanation, and you know MBT, you know doesn't say this is the right explanation and everything else is false. It just says this is the most reasonable thing, and MBT can you know explain it. Like it, lump it, <laughs> agree with it, trash it, whatever is okay. You know, that's not a problem. You know, it's just put out there for people to use. So, yeah, it's those things are, are not like, listen, people, here's how crop circles happen. You know, they happen because of this. I try very hard never to take that kind of a, an attitude. I usually use words like it's likely or it's probable or at least this is one way that it could be explained kind of a thing. Because it's it's uh, it's just arrogance to think that you know everything. So you realize you don't know everything, and if you don't know everything, then most of what you say is an opinion. There are very few facts in the world <laughs> that any one person would know. You know, there are very few facts. There's, there's a whole lot of opinion. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Tom. Mm-hmm. All right, Cheryl, please go ahead with your question. Hello, everybody. Love all the questions. This has been a good conversation today. Um, my question is around um, um, pretty much following the same line as the as Caroline's a little bit. Um, um, la- last last month, I had asked a question about a fear that I was actively working on, and it was a it was still in the pretty rough stages, so it was difficult to get get it all out there but Tom did help me with it and I left there and I went and started working on it and this um I asked you about this one as I was having a very hard time with it you said you need to go back there and talk to the little girl that experienced the trauma so that's what I did I addressed it in meditation then like a miracle people just started coming out of the woodwork to help me I counted five people who were there just at the right time to help me encounter this fear so I could get rid of it. I even had a friend say, I know I will wear the scary thing to your house. Then you can know I'm not trying to hurt you. And that's what they did. They would show up at my front door and I would open the door and there they'd be. 
And he said, oh, and, and then I would say, oh, you're my friend. You're not trying to hurt me. And then I'd shut the door and they'd leave. <laughs> over and over they did this until I was finally able to look at it without feeling the fear. Um, it, it was it desensitized a big piece of it. And there was just all this help. I, I was wondering um, about. As I've worked with some of these fears, some of them, this one was definitely more intense than some of the other ones. And what I noticed is that when you're first going into them and you're trying to feel around, I have to find the fear before I can work on it. If I don't know what it is, I I can't. So once I know what it is, I start feeling around for it and trying to pull Mm -hmm. out, pull it out by the legs. And and then what I notice is that is that the way that part feels is pretty rough. But then right after I start figuring out what it is and start piecing together what I need to do. And it seems like the system starts giving me experiences one after the other in rapid fire succession that are specifically designed to help me work on that fear. People Mm -hmm. play and it just starts stacking up together. So what I was thinking is that. And this has happened on some of the other fears that I've worked on. It seems to me like it just is awful at first. And then if you give the system time to kind of click in with it and with you, then it starts setting things up to kind of help you out. And if you just hang on a minute before you're, you know, running down the street panicking with it, just give it a minute and let the system click in because it will send you things and people and and things that will help you with. And it starts feeling a lot better really quickly. So, you know, there was times I was getting ready to give up on some of these things because it was just so intense. Uh, wouldn't it help if others knew that help is on the way, you know, and when you're really in the thick of it, well, help is really on the way. And cause on this fear, I didn't get just one or two people helping me with, with it. Like I did with the big dog fear. I, it was just like all these people come around. Hey, Cheryl, here, is this scaring you now? And, 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 and some people, they didn't even know me or anything, and they ended up <laughs> helping me with the fear, and they didn't even know I was working on the fear. So I think that what I've learned through some of this is that when it when I'm feeling around for it and I'm trying to pull it out by the legs, that it feels really awful there and right at first. But then, it, you know, giving it time, the system will oh, help. So could, could you talk about that and maybe, um, sure. okay. Sure. That's, you know, when you talk about, you're trying first trying to find it and recognize it. Okay. That takes courage in itself because normally what people do with fears is ignore them and turn the other way and, you know, uh, deny them and make excuses for them and everything else. So it takes some courage just to want to go after it. And then when you feel like, all right, now I see it, but I don't really understand it yet. So that's your grab it by the legs and pull it out. That takes more courage. (laughs) Well, if you show courage twice in a row, that means you're serious. That means you really are serious trying to, trying to grow. It's not something you're just doing on a whim or whatever. You're, you're working on it in a serious way. When you're serious about growing, the system's always going to help you. The system's always going to help you. And when you have that intention of, I'm going to beat this thing, I am going to pull that fear out, and I am going to deal with it. When you have that intention, you set all kinds of things in motion. 
when you modify future probability, it doesn't just change your little probability. It changes probability in a lot of things because it takes a lot of things acting together to give you that probability that you need, you see, to get over it. So when you start saying, I'm, you know, I'm going to get over this thing, and you start filling that, that little curve, it says she gets over it, you know, the probability that she gets over it and it starts to grow. Well, as that grows, it changes probabilities of things that other people are going to do because they're involved in you getting over it. So <laughs> as you, as you raise that probability level, connections get made in many ways, many places. It reaches out and touches all sorts of people, you see. And you never know how that's going to fall together, you know, what's, how it's going to come to you, but it'll always come to you some which way. So we have the idea, you know, we just, our metaphor for that happening is we just say, well, the system just sets everything up for us. Well, in a way it, it does because the system wants you to succeed. But in another way, it's also just part of that probability thing. Everybody's consciousness is connected with everybody else's. Mm. You change your probabilities and it affects other people. Mm. You see? And those other people get nudged to do things that help you realize and actualize what you want to do. It's just the way it works. It spreads out. So if you have a, you know, if you know, one of the, you know, on a, on a negative side, you know, you have to be careful what you wish for because you don't know what mechanism it might take to get it. You know, you may say, oh, what I want is, you know, $100,000. Well, it may be that, you know, somebody dies and you get that in the will and then you say, oh, no, I didn't want it that way. You know, I didn't, I didn't mean that. Well, you have to be a little careful because when you change things, then it modifies probabilities all over so your probably you know your pro your your probability is entwined with others we're all netted we're all entangled and however it comes together is just the way the system works it's the way consciousness it's the way this this conscious system works so we are all in this together we all are interacting with each other you are not really an island you know, all by yourself. <laughs> and it's just becoming aware of those interconnections that is part of the growing process. You start to realize that you are connected to all sorts of people. Not intellectually, that's not how it works. But in that intuitive side, all kinds of stuff is going on in there. All kinds of communications and things are happening over on that intuitive side that's outside people's intellects that you do things to help other people, you know, with with their, you know, probabilities that they're trying to do. And you don't know that you're doing that. It just comes right. to you to do that. You make that connection. But that's all because of the interconnectedness that we have all the time. Mm. That's that's part of this this web of interaction that we live in. So we are very positive people and we bring all kinds of positive things our way. We're very negative people. We bring all kinds of negative things our way. You see, because we are reaching out and touching all sorts of people, things, situations, and all of it 
is changing a little bit as we change because we're a part of it. It's a part of us. We're all part of this big system, all interconnected. So it's not just that the larger conscious system is, is sending you a lot of benefits because you've been a good girl and you're trying real hard. <laughs> yes, that's true. And the system can do things, you know, like that because like synchronicities, a lot of synchronicities are the fact that there's a, there's an event that could be useful to you, and there's a lot of uncertainty around it. So the system can go in and manipulate around that uncertainty to make that event fall out just the way you need it. you know. And then it becomes, oh, look, just exactly what I needed when I needed it, a synchronicity. Well, the system can arrange that as long as there's enough uncertainty for it to do that manipulation and have nobody notice. <laughs> right. And most of the most of life is has a lot of uncertainty around it. You know, there's so much uncertainty everywhere in our interactions and things that, that we do that that can happen. But yes, you really, you know, it really is a fact that we are entangled with each other. We're all in this together. That's true. That's why when people are being particularly negative, you know, to to get angry at them. You know, call them names. This isn't helpful. Mm-mm. You know, we're all we're all connected. That let's help let's help help heal them, not you know not beat them. You know, we don't want to smack them. We we want to help heal them. So we want to at best not aggravate the situation. Even if we don't know how to improve it, we could at least not aggravate it. <laughs> so that's what's going on there. That's why you you get that, and you will continue to get that. Because that's just the way this reality works. The system does want you to succeed, and we're all connected. We're all part of a of a of this uh, consciousness web, and we are interactive. So people kind of got involved, and it's like, how did they get involved in it? Well, they just happened to be the right place at the right time. That they got a little tug, and their <laughs> intuition said, you know, go do this, and they do it. And that's how it works. And all that little tug happened because you had an intention. Uh, I've got this problem. I <laughs> see that it's fear-based, and I'm going to beat it. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to get rid of it. And when you do that, that's the oomph. That's the focus. That's you know. That's putting the effort there, and you make waves all over the place that affect all the different people. And they're making waves and that affect you. So it's, yeah, it's just the nature of our reality. The, what you're experiencing is is a, you're just directly experiencing the way the way it works. Oh, that's beautiful, Tom. Yeah. And you know, it, it it's also nudging the the our, our critter friends too. Um, I I had a tear. My first fear I worked on was the fear of big dogs, and it was not a, a small one. It was a huge fear of big dogs, and this giant dog the size of a polar bear. I turned and looked behind me and it was the biggest dog on the planet. The system found the biggest dog on the planet and put it behind me and I'm running home. <laughs> and I got home. My partner walks outside and falls in love with this giant dog. that I'm of. And I saw his face and I just couldn't, I, you know, I said, okay, well, okay, I'll work through it and we'll figure it out. And, and so we, he had an owner. We took the dog back. The dog ran away and came back to our house. <laughs> and so it would run away. We'd take it back. It'd run away again. We'd take it back. We went back and forth for a month. 
And then my husband was just, he went and asked the man, he, and he said, can we please adopt Carl? <laughs> and he was, he was in a crate the whole day. And with us, he doesn't have to be in a crate. And he, he lives the life of leisure. He's my big fuzzy Carl. And he worked with me for two years to help me get over my fear of big dogs. But it was touch and go for a minute. <laughs> but I loved Kent so much. But see, this dog, <laughs> it just, he got nudged that day, too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It works through all consciousness. Absolutely. Have you ever noticed when you have pet animals that if you are in a particularly... Uh, upset mood or hurt mood or whatever, and you have cats or you have little puppies and you're just feeling depressed or upset or you just stubbed your toe or something and you just go sit down that those little creatures will just crawl up in your lap and start to purr and lick you and they'll do all those sorts of things because they know that you just need a little loving and uh, they, you know, you just need somebody to hold your hand, somebody to, you know, lick your face, right? Something that will uh, make you feel better. And they know that. Of course they do. They get that they get that message and they interact with us just like we do with we do with them. They tend to know how to love a lot better. <laughs> We're still working on it, but we'll get there. Well their life is simpler. They're not wound up in all the kind of details that we are uh, their, their life <laughs> appears appears a lot more straightforward than ours. Thank you so much. And I love you. I love you more than rocks and frogs. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, Cheryl. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Cheryl. Um, Tom, our next question comes from Mario. Mario is uh, the gentleman who um, translated your My Big Toe book into Portuguese. Mm -hmm. And his question is, one of MBT metaphors describes our local PMR as a basic school or learning lab for consciousness. Mm -hmm. Are there other PMR or different location arrangements for when we evolve beyond the usefulness of this PMR? Or does this PMR offer various grades needed for our full development, just going through different packages and different circumstances? Um, well, the answer to that is, is yes, in both, both categories. There are other virtual realities that we can evolve in, and some of them need, need uh, high-quality consciousness to evolve there, you know, are, are more desperate for that than others. So there's always places to go, other places to, to, uh, to be helpful. But also the case is that there's no end of opportunities here for anybody, no matter how much they've grown up. There are things to do here in this, in this virtual reality. There's always ways you can help. There's always ways that you can help move forward the solution. And so it's, it's not like you get to the point that coming here would be irrelevant or useless because you've already learned everything you can learn here. It's not like that because what you, the way you learn is by interacting with people, by caring, by helping. And we need a lot of help. So there's always something here. So that, it's both ways. You can stay here at all levels. The most advanced level has work to do here. 
you know, the lowest level has work to do here, but that also that most advanced level could go elsewhere and be helpful there as well. And for that matter, down at that lower level, they could go elsewhere too. There's nothing that forces them to come to this VR. They could go to some other VR. If they just refuse to go back to this VR, they would be offered some other VR. What they'd find, though, is is that uh, the VR you pick isn't what makes the difference. <laughs> what makes the difference is who you are, because you're going to interact and be challenged no matter where you go. This VR that we are in is not a particularly hard one. It's not a particularly easy one. So you're you're not going to you know, you're not going to change the situation much by changing VRs. They're all there for the same purpose. You'll find the same lessons because those lessons are yours, and you take those lessons wherever you go. The context will just be different, different places. Thank you, Tom. I'm going to pull a question from the MBT forum because this question and the one where you said aliens are things of consciousness rather than parts of other virtual realities, um, it kind of alludes to your concept of of data streams, and and you might pull some more information from this or more of a clarification of of that of that quote um, from MBT Forum uh, Pipe Man eighty four asks, Tom mentions in a couple of videos with Donna, including the most recent one, My Big Toe Q&A, on the 1st of January 2021, a really de-evolved PMR that he visited in the past. And when prompted by Donna if there have been any changes since, he goes there for a few seconds and then says that he got the feeling that things are starting to improve. Now, my question is, how does this work? How can you get a sense of anything within a few seconds? Suppose some IUOC incarnated in another PMR who briefly visited Earth in the 1960s wanted to check on the entropy level of Earth now and only had seconds to do it. How would he do it? I mean, we as full-time Earth residents would be hard-pressed to come up with a clear answer to that if we consider the entire planet, not just the country we live in, and changes at the being level, not acting, uh, not acting clue to laws or re- regulations, but someone who jumps in and out for a brief time. Um, there's quite a lot of questions within that, but can you start on that? Sure. You know, information comes in all sorts of bundles, you know, and only one of which is your direct uh, experience within a within a reality system within some virtual reality so that's kind of at the very uh, you know most detailed level so you're in a virtual reality and this is your experience well like you say you're not going to learn something about the whole reality for two or three seconds of virtual experience in a reality but that's not the only package that information comes in you know, there's information available within the system at all levels, not just that down in the weeds level, all sorts of levels. You could look at a, um, 
I'll try to be general and then I'll be more specific of exactly, you know, what I did and how I did it when I, when I did that. But generally the system will give you updates in any, at any level you wish. In other words, you could say, okay, system in 25 words or less, you know, explain, you know, the rise and fall of the Roman empire and you would get something in 25 words or less. That would kind of give you the general gist of it, but it wouldn't give you a whole lot of details because it's a very complex subject. But you'd get that little executive summary. You know, and you can ask the question down on another level. You could say, well, let's see a graph. And we'll see a graph on quality of consciousness, average quality of consciousness, virtual reality versus time. So let me see that graph. And you could see, and I want the time scale to be by decades. Over the last hundred years, over the last century. So I'm going to see 10 points on the X axis, you know, 10 decades for over a century. And so it's the, so now you get this graph of the quality of average, average quality of consciousness within that system over the last century. So it goes back a hundred years and gives you every 10 years since that. So you see it might go up, might go down, might go wiggle waggle, you know, you'll see whatever it happens. You can ask the system for any sort of information you like. And the system is pretty good at gathering that on the fly and gather it up for you. Remember the, the difference, the, the system runs on a much faster clock, has a much higher frequency. The system can process billions and billions of, of uh, cycles, you know, processing cycles for every one delta T of our virtual reality. So it's not like the system has to have all this immediately available, but it does have most of it there already. I don't ever notice that it takes time for the, for the system to go figure out an answer. It seems like the answer is just always there when I ask. So you can get information at any level. You can, you can, uh, Get a sense of what's going on. How have things changed? Let's say that you knew that you were in a reality and you saw how, um, what do they call it? Black Friday or something was at the local Walmart. I don't know how this translates to Europe, but uh, what happens is we have this really big sale day and, you know, all the people get out there and on that particular day, it's like a, you know, it's like a, a, a what a, a a crowd that is crushing to get these few really really good bargains, but there's not too many of those. You know, you can get something that costs a thousand dollars for only three hundred dollars, but we only have ten of them. You know, so <laughs> the people try to get one of those ten. I don't know if you have that in your own countries or not, but uh, it gets kind of wild sometimes. And you'll see videos of, you know, middle-aged women slapping each other, you know, to get to the front of the line and hitting each other with their umbrellas. And it just gets crazy. Okay. So you may take that one event and you can say, okay, I'd like to see that event. Uh, just get a flash of that event of what's going on. Maybe it only takes a couple of seconds. And I'd want to see that over Again, 100 years, flash, 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 flash. And now I've got all this, this sense of how it's changed. And I can get that in a few seconds. I just get a 
you know, and I'll, I just look at that event, and from that event, I can say something about the quality of consciousness, you know, within that society, because you know that event uh, really uh, kind of gives you a a um, a good sample of what the quality of consciousness is like. You know, well, it's greedy, it's self-centered, it's all about me, and that's what it's about. If I saw a bunch of polite people standing in line nicely and, you know, holding up their hands to speak and all that sort of thing, then I'd say, whoa, they've grown up a whole lot. If I see a bunch of people, you know, look like they're in some kind of a, you know, hand-to-hand combat in order to get a better deal, well, that tells me that it's still pretty self-centered. So there's lots of ways that you could couch a problem, things that you could see, graphs you could ask for information a different thing so it's not like the only thing you can do is go there and experience the reality which is what this person was thinking well true if you just go there and experience the reality you're not going to get much of what's happening as far as a, a change goes you could go there and query a consciousness that you know that lives there because they were there when you were there and you could get an update from them kind of the summary you know what's going on and you can get it in words, you can get it in pictures, you can get it in images, you can get it in graphs. The output format, something you get to pick. So that's how, that's how that works. It doesn't, um, it's not, you're not just able to go and experience a particular reality in seconds. You gather the information and um, you can get it in a feeling space as well as, you know, an intellectual space. So I'm trying to remember. I thought I would go back and try to tell you more details. And as I've been talking, I've been trying to remember the details of that. But that was something that happened for just a few seconds, you know, three months ago. <laughs> it's really hard to bring that back of exactly what, what I did or what had occurred. But I did go back to that reality. And I did look at it in the big picture. And I did want to see it time-lapsed. I did want to see it over time. And there was some things that I looked at that were meaningful symbols to me as to how the reality was doing. And then I got, after I was done with that, I got a message after that that told me kind of what the mechanism was for that to have happened. You know, what it was, what was, what changed. And at the time, I think I said something to Donna about it, but uh, right now I you know, that was just one place my mind went three months ago for a few seconds, and I don't really have a, a real clear memory of exactly what happened. But well, you know, would you if, be- I were to, if I were to do it again, you know, it would be it would work out kind of a similar similar way. But so that's, would you be able to do that now, Tom? Would you be able to dip into that particular reality? What what I think he needs to understand is these are you set up a protocol as you say how you want that information received and these are data streams that you get um not not something that takes a lot of time because of your concept of data streams is is that something that you could check now I think one of the things that I did then because I'm just I don't really remember what I did then but I you know if I did it again right now if I tried to take an assessment of what was going on in that reality, what I would do is I would go to the mind of a person who I know who lives there. And then I would ask that person, are things getting better, getting worse, still the same? 
and I get some sense of that and and how much, you know, I'm not getting language. I'm just getting a feeling. I'm getting a feeling sense of how that works. So I'm just making a connection to another consciousness. All consciousness is netted. So that's just the fastest way to do it. And you get there, you net with that other consciousness, and you get a sense of how much better things are now. And they may say, oh, it's a lot better. And you say, well, why? What happened? What's the main things? Well, now we've got this, that, or the other thing. We didn't have that before. Now we're able to do this and that, and we don't even get arrested for that anymore. And that's it. So that would be enough. And I could say, well, I think it's improved, which is basically what I said. It's improved. But I remember at that case, and after that point, I actually then got a little download of why it improved, kind of what the thing was. But and I mentioned it, but I don't really remember it anymore. From that, that particularly, it was kind of the the social dynamics of that situation, and it it just occurred to me if I go back and think about it, I can I can redig that up. But there's really no point to that. So that's how I would do it now. I'd go to the mind that I know that would know and get the information there. That would be the the fastest way, rather than me. I could have put it on a graph, you know, but uh, I don't know. Conscious, conscious contact is even easier than, you know, coming up with a graph and specifying its its uh, its scales. So that's how that Thank works. You. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not just being there and having to watch what's going on. Well, I think the message that it was there was an improvement was the important thing, so that's good. Yeah. Tom Campbell here. I and MBT Events hope you liked this video. We now have well over a thousand hours of free video on this user-friendly, ad-free YouTube channel. Though these videos are free to our viewers, they represent many thousands of hours in production and editing and many thousands of dollars invested in video and audio equipment, along with the required computers and software to store and process the raw video into finished products. So far, all of this content has been funded directly out of our own pockets. Be assured, we will always continue to do what we can. It's our life, our purpose, a labor of love that we will continue to pursue as best we can. However, those pockets are not as deep as they used to be. Thus, we are now seeking to augment our resources with support from our viewers. If you find something of significant value in our videos, please consider supporting their production through our Patreon account or through a one-time donation. The links are in the description below. Thank you.